This is Dart with Dermot and Paul. And welcome to this week's episode. Which our producer says in a private email to us begins with a big fat lie. I think the instruction was we were to tell a big fat lie in this introduction and tell you that we listened to your comments and your queries and we decided to dedicate this entire episode to the wonderful world of houseplants. That's right. Just as we're doing it, we're recording this intro in St. Stephen's Green. And Paul, describe where we are. Describe what you're saying. Lots of pigeons. Uh, we're surrounded by trees, oak trees and beech trees. Uh, the tram's running past. It's a lovely, bright, sunny morning. And the seagulls are up overhead as well as pigeons and everything else. It's quite nice. And apart from that, describe what you're saying. There's two cops over to the left-hand side. <laughs> and that's not even a joke, so we better... We better run. You <laughs> can't be arrested for recording a podcast. No, what I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make is we're in this kind of arena, amphitheatre area, which is a bit like a cubist giant's causeway. It's blocks of stone. And the reason I'm saying this, we've just landed, we were looking for a quiet place to record the intro, but we've just landed in the place that, as a kid, was our favourite place to play. In the whole of the city. I haven't been here for 20 years. Just hopping from stone to stone. In other news, uh, houseplants is what we're actually here to talk about. And we're going to cover the basics. We're going to cover everything there is to know and you need to know about them. Uh, whether you haven't a clue. Whether you want plants that you cannot kill. Because there are plants that you nearly cannot kill. And just kind of talk through the whole topic in general. Dirt with Dermot Gavin and Paul Smith. A Go Loud original. Look more bored. Well, you were about to start into it, so I was like, "We'll, we'll go." In general, today, this yeah. morning, you couldn't look more. <laughs> I have a mask bored. on. You can only see my eyes. Yeah, are they dead? Yeah, am I dead behind the yeah. eyes? I am very tired. Is that because of parenting? <laughs> parenting is is a big part of it. Well, you know, I'm going to start a new parenting podcast. Are you? I thought you were going to tell me you were going to be a parent. Oh Jesus, no! <laughs> uh, the world's not ready for that. Are you recording? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Well, I thought it would be a good idea, given that we were talking last week about advice and teenage drinking and all of that, and you know, what do you do when they get to a certain age, mm-hmm. um, and me having no experience of parenting and not being a parent, it would be a brilliant idea that I set up my own parenting podcast and the title of it being How Hard Can It Be? <laughs> I think there would be... A <laughs> he has promoted a very heavily on our Instagram <laughs> yeah. feeds, and... The there response have has been, been objections. vicious, to say the least. Oh. Yeah, yeah. You can imagine. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like that. <laughs> this is why you look dead, dead, dd in the eyes today. Yeah, yeah. Well, sure, look it. Well, de- that was how we wanted to start this week. So, that phrase. Aiden, how yeah. hard can it be? I don't know. Sleep deprivation is only an instrument of torture. Yeah, and it's only It's only temporary. for 16 years. <laughs> yeah. It's a short snippet of your life. Of course. And then important. and then they continue to pawn off you until well, one of you croaks. Yeah. 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 yeah I'm definitely it. still doing that. So, <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Proof. And it is definitely the man who gets the easier deal. Oh, God. No yeah. What. yeah. In every sense. Yeah. Like from the get go. Literally. You're quite right, Paul. How, How hard, hard can, can it be? be? <laughs> <laughs> it sounds well, like. You're up for the challenge. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, every time you get a kid, they just, yeah, they're happy. Tell you what, when I come in here to record this episode, it'll just be me and Dermot next week. And instead of my mum minding my daughter and my nephew, who are <laughs> a year and a half, 
right? You do it, and we'll just we'll do, we'll patch you well, in from my. This gap. is why I said because a lot of my friends are not having kids, and uh, friends of mine in Wales have adopted boy and girl twins that are a year and a half old, and they're you know hard hard work. But, but Paul, still you're hard hard work. You were very hard hard work this morning when we met for coffee. You were just being difficult and making me do things, and I was ignoring everything you were saying, and I had to carry. We we're in a studio here surrounded by houseplants and that fecker made me carry them up six flights of stairs down six flights of stairs in the car park and then up another ten flights of stairs here albeit through the lift but still I had to carry it the whole way and he was just holding onto his iPad pretending that he was well, my coffee. Yeah. The studio is looking particularly verdant and beautiful describe it Dermot I quite like it Well we have generally subtropical tropical species on the desk here in front of us and what we've tried to do is landscape it so we've tried to create the impression of a jungle spots of colour but mainly foliage and these are all house plants that are very easy to look after okay well that is good uh, oh and they're hanging from the ceiling yeah, I don't know how you managed to get it up on that tile up there. Well, I actually pushed up a ceiling tile, so apologies to the studio. So there's a spider plant that your granny used to have. And it is the most indestructible plant. As far as plants... It's not the most indestructible. It is, the it's cast, No, the cast iron plant, which is the dividing screen between myself and Aideen at the moment, is the most indestructible. It's the biggest aspidistra in the world. <laughs> Do you know what? that song? No. What is that? Uh, Gracie Fields in the 1920s sang a song about aspidistras. Um, it's a terrible, God bless you. terrible song. <laughs> this uh, is an aspidistra. This is an aspidistra. God bless uh, you. Cast iron plant. <laughs> aspidistra. God bless you. <laughs> um, interesting. Yeah, so it's pretty much bomb-proof. They had them in Victorian times because back in the day when they had original gas lighting, it used to be terrible. I mean, the houses were just filled with carbon monoxide. It's a wonder anyone survived. And this was one of the few plants that would survive in a Victorian parlour. Because all the fumes, all the smog, everything, low light levels, all of that. All those horrible things. They're very tolerant of shade and they can grow quite tall. They were hugely popular in Victorian times. George Orwell used it as a symbol of middle class stuffiness. So that's one particular variety that's commonly grown. And these can been. almost grow in the dark. I mean, they really are amazing. You associate them with kind of Victorian urns, don't you, in mm. a, a glazed kind of pot on a hall table. Because halls are very challenging places for any plants because you're opening the door, drafts, change in temperature, lower light levels, all of that sort of thing. And generally, you'll be displaying one plant on its own on a table. And plants like to be surrounded by other plants they like to be in a community it's native to Japan and it's a total non-fuss plant it does like to have its leaves washed it's occasionally not just native off to them. Japan it's native to all over that part of Southeast Asia um, when I was in Vietnam we found them growing in divots and in kind of really dark dank places where nothing else would grow and you'd see this thing carpeting the ground a bit like ivy would carpet the ground here and they're incredible because there's about, I think, a couple of hundred different varieties and they have flowers and the flowers are weird because they're pollinated by beetles and they sit on the ground and some of them are massive and they stink. It's a really, really weird plant. Not the most attractive flower and you'll rarely get them to flower in a garden. Sometimes they flower here, but they can also grow outside. They're quite hardy. But so. as a plant, they're quite architectural uh, Maybe slightly boring, so they grow on, the leaves grow on very straight stems, almost the dimension of, you know, a couple of pencils together, and then they open out to be long, strap-like, 
leaves and they're very pleasing. They are expensive. This one we've brought you into today. It it isn't huge and it retails at sixty five euro. Yo. Yeah. Okay. They're quite slow. Um, they're quite slow growing, grow. um, but like that, they're so slow. They're a bit of a dinosaur, and they kind of persist like the dinosaurs. Uh, they just will stay forever. You buy one of those plants, and you will literally have it until one of you croaks, and chances are it'll be you before the plant. And how? Because the thing I seem to do with plants is just misjudge the watering. Well, let's 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 go back first before we really get into plants, and let's just discuss how so I was driving down the road today and I was coming in to town really early to do the podcast I was going to do research and emails before I got here and who did I spy at a bus stop but my sister and her hubby and they were off on their holliers they were waiting for a bus to bring them to the airport but can you see the halo you stopped and you picked brought them up them to the airport and whatever well done and they were telling me that their daughter has taken a job in Don Stores. So she's a college student or wants to do law or something like that. I'm her godfather, but I don't know. And that she's taken a, a job in a, a supermarket in Beacon Court in Sandyford in Dublin. And it just happens to be a supermarket where I have a range of these. These all these plants on your mixing desk came from that range. And I said, oh, I think we do quite well there with our houseplants in that particular uh, place. And they said to me, yeah, that's because your goddaughter buys them all. And she is what? She's 18, 19. And that is what is driving this boom in houseplants. Young people. Young people. Because her mum or her dad wouldn't have a clue what a plant looks like. But young people have driven this explosion in interest in not so much gardens, but certainly in houseplants. And that happened, started happening about seven or eight years ago in for various reasons around the world. So, first of all, foliage and the depiction of foliage on pattern, on in clothing, in interior design, became a big thing. So something like, do you have Joan's home phone number? So that's, that's the little one. Uh, Joan is my mum. Oh, is this more parenting advice? Do you need to help? <laughs> yeah, I do have to give her, if she's looking for her granny's phone number. I think that's quite sweet, so I better... You talk for a sec. Uh, yeah, the Instagram has been one of the driving forces in the whole houseplant revival. All of a sudden, it has become trendy, and houseplants are very Instagrammable. Against a white wall, some really, you know, chic, nice, cool decor, and you can have a very Instagrammable pad. The other thing is, uh, you know, my generation and people younger, house buying is becoming less We're and less... We're all the same generation, Paul. No, you're not. You're about my generation eight generations. You're like a... Are we alive at the same time? No. It doesn't feel like I am. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, so yeah, this whole Generation X, Y, what are they called? We're millennials and I'm generation. a geriatric millennial, apparently. I'm kind of the next, but still a millennial. And then Gen he's, Z. he's a boomer or whatever they call the war yes, ones. And yes, yeah. <laughs> um, and then there's the latest one, which is it's Gen Z or Gen Y. Oh, there's or, probably a one now coming up behind Gen Z. I don't know what Yeah, yeah. So they're all, you know, all these younger generations. The prospect of buying a house for some of these people is becoming less and less because house prices are just, you know, booming every single year to the point that it is becoming even difficult to rent, let alone buy a house. So 
instead of having a house and instead of, you know, aspiring to own a house and own a garden, they have house plants because you can move them from your rented apartment to your rented apartment back to your parents' pad if you're in the middle of renting a place. And you don't need to own a garden to grow all these house plants. You don't need to own anything. All you need to do is to have a place to display them. So it's this whole thing of now being able to garden without having any access to it. And there's something else because it's all about devices, isn't it? And it's all about social media and it's all about this virtual world that so many people live in and are obsessed by. Houseplants are something tangible, real, and houseplants are something that they can take care of and that they feel they're nurturing. And that's very important to people. It's a natural instinct. And Paul, how hard can it be? (laughs) Bloody hell. What's that? Is that a stag's horn? What does that look like, Aideen? It looks like a fern. Describe it to me. That looks like a festering... Um, Mushroom. Excellent. Ca- cabbage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the size of it is, I mean, it's about the size of 20 cabbages sitting in some weird, ugly earth. Paul is I showing us a photograph on his phone at the moment and it's in a Victorian parlour. Uh, the stand, so there's a ceramic stand and a, va- uh, a bowl on top of that. Slightly art nouveau. And then there is this just growth is the only way you could describe it an explosion of growth it's like a cabbage but a very very dead cabbage as Aideen said if you bought a cabbage that size in the supermarket you would feed the street for a week because it's absolutely yeah huge. but you wouldn't eat it because it's dead it's very very much dead uh, the reason I'm showing you this is this is a staghorn fern I said that did I say that you did Platy serum bifurcat. Why didn't you say yes because I was ignoring you <laughs> at the time but now I decide to give you the credit you were due How's that? Uh, and this is one that seemingly... Hasn't spread it yet. Well, it has, because this was alive, oh. I think, in the 1800s. Oh, no. Um, it's some family heirloom, some cousin of mine has it, and it died in their care. It's been oh. gone for 120 years. Oh, no. It came to them, you know, it had been passed down for... I thought it was going through some hibernation and a new... No, no, sp- I think it's going through a permanent hibernation, which is otherwise known as dead. D-D. That is a late cabbage. Yes, a very late cabbage. But staghorn fern... Oh, they're amazing. They're so cool. They're so cool. They're they, these... they grow like sag horns so the, and they grow from that sort they of surround a pot they don't really grow in it they kind of grow all around it they're one of these kind of semi-epiphytic ferns so when we say epiphyte it means a plant that grows on a tree without soil Aiden, isn't it oh, interesting that it is only people like him and his family that hand down things especially plants through generations yeah but they're dead it's all to do with that's because religion has no part in contemporary life if you were still practicing Protestants that would be alive do you know what I mean this is your most flawed theory to date <laughs> well and you're showing this off I'm not showing it off you what are talking about you are you're you're showing it as if it's a antiquity in a Victorian cabinet that you'd bring people in after dinner and show them what the family has collected what, well, if I had you found... Aideen and myself, that. our families collect pieces of Lego and we give them to the kids. <laughs> you have ferns from generations and hundreds of years back. Yeah, but your Lego is still blue or whatever colour it was when you bought it. Red and white. My fern is... Oh, interesting. Your fern is dead. Very dead. In 1982, <laughs> I started working in a... When? City... <laughs> town sub. In 1982, you were... Working in a city... The city centre planter shop called Mackey's Seeds. And I became, I was 
straight out of school and I became obsessed by houseplants. Every week, big lorry would pull up on Mary Street, back doors would open and trolley loads of plants would be wheeled out. All the type of plants we're seeing here on the desk. And I spent all my wages on these houseplants and I would buy the biggest things like rubber plants and monstera, the Liciosa, the Swiss cheese plant and ferns. I remember getting on a bus with one fern and I'd wrapped it with a big desk in Mackey's. This store had been going since the 1700s in Dublin, so it was like, are you being served? You can imagine, you know, I started off in the basement weighing up fertilisers and then uh, then I, I went up to the attic and I was weighing tiny, tiny packs of seeds for farmers. Uh, but eventually I got to the shop floor and on the shop floor you would deal with customers and you would wrap their purchases in big swathes of brown paper. And I got this massive fern and I wrapped it in a kind of funnel. So the whole of the growth was constricted into this kind of tube. And I got on the bus and the paper broke. And there was an explosion of fern in the middle. And I went redder than red. And my flat in Frankfurt Road in Ranala at the time was just uh, an indoor garden. It was incredible. There was a woman from Kildare who grew cacti from the shop and every few weeks she'd arrive with trays of things like litops, which were living stones, kind of glaucous looking pebbles. And when they were in flower, a daisy-like flower, really neon bright, uh, appears. And... You describe that. It's a plant that looks like a pebble. It is. Yeah. I mean, That's what I said. I don't know what a litops is, but it, it look, you would think it's a bit of stone. I yeah. said that. I know, but... Aidan, can we ask him to step outside just for a few minutes? In 1982. <laughs> and the other thing that was hugely popular back then were bottle gardens, terrariums, where you make, where you get a bottle and it's like, you know, the old uh, mariner saying of building ships in bottles, but you plant a garden in a bottle and it's a kind of little piece of witchcraft gimmick. or magic. <laughs> Gimmick. Or a gimmick. It is a gimmick. It's not really a gimmick because they came from Wardian cases and Wardian cases were really important because they allowed all the people who went to rape, pillage and steal plants from other worlds, bring them back to botanic gardens in Dublin, London, Edinburgh and uh, wherever. So it had a very useful aim. The origins of the idea was to preserve plants on long sea voyages where they'd be strapped to the deck of, of ships. But they became a thing in Victorian times where people would build these elaborate decorative Wardian cases. I think initially probably for display of ferns because the Victorians were fairly gothic and they loved stag's horn ferns and other type of exotic ferns. But bottle gardens were a thing in the 1980s. And I had a little business. How I got into gardening was a little business making using demijohns, which was the old wine brewing um, bottle that you get with two little handles. And I would cycle with three of them in a haversack on my back and two of them in the handlebars down to a market, the Blackberry Market, I think, in Rampmines, and sell them at weekends. And my friend Vincent would do the same from his house. So we'd have ten for sale. And the whole love of terrariums and bottle gardens and houseplants died out because they soon, after that flourishing period in the 80s, they soon to be, they, they were soon regarded as plants your granny or your mother would have. And Paul's favourite one of these type of plants is a spider plant. So that's hanging above us like a chandelier. And that was one 
absolutely your granny would have. My granny had that. Exactly. And the reason she had it is she couldn't kill it. It was so easy that you couldn't kill. My mum was so bad with these houseplants that she would get a houseplant and eventually it would die. And she she'd had still... She, she she had. She would still keep the pot with soil and a withered plant like the Protestant with the big fern. Uh, that would so why still are you be... accusing it of being unique to that if I, your mother did? I've always I've always doubted my mother. And now there has been in the past ten years, eight years, a huge explosion of people going back. I went on a trip when Trump was elected. Just before he took office, I went on a trip to New York and I was staying in a place called Nolita, I think, down in the village. And below the apart hotel I was in, there was a shop called Green Fingers. And I was looking at it. And at that stage, only older people went into florist shops. But this was inhabited by young, funky New Yorkers. And I thought, God, there really is something happening with gardening. And then in London, uh, a new shop opened called Prick. And a girl called Janelle started a a shop that only sold cacti. And it was absolutely incredible and caused a sensation. And she wrote a book about it. And then in Amsterdam, a shop called Wilderness wilderness opened and that was so funky because it played music it brewed coffee and it has houseplants and all around the world young people have become interested in this idea of taking care of something and greening up the places in which they live getting away from the devices and becoming indoor and then subsequently outdoor gardeners and it's quite wonderful to see. And as Paul says on, on Instagram, it's become huge with people having millions of followers and um, been there'd be days where it would be Monstra Monday. So Monstra is the Swiss cheese plant and there'd be a tag going around Monstra Monday and hundreds of thousands of people all around the world will be showing what they have. Houseplants are very easy to look after but there are a number of entry <laughs> entry plants I've just been attacked by some Bison oh goo. look at it look at, how look good at it, it. <laughs> look at it oh. you were boring me with your little rant but now I've got everyone's interest again because I have the most gloopy all this horrible. time Paul has been peeling a leaf of the aspidistra. <laughs> it's not an aspidistra, it's an aloe. An aloe. Yeah. aloe. So that's just pure aloe vera there. This yeah. is aloe vera. Everyone knows this. Um, remember we did something once where we got all the products that have aloe vera in Oh, God. This is very undignified, guys. <laughs> He's trying to put aloe vera well, in my ear. Well, before it gets on me. It's brilliant for your skin, so I have no issue with this at all. It's not great for your hair, but anyway. It um, is good for your hair. Is it gel? I suppose it is. It is, yeah. It's a very, very good, uh, for lots of different reasons. Uh, it's a moisturiser. It's totally natural. And the reason that it is so good is it's a succulent. So like all these things, it's a water storage. Ooh, we have paper in here. Handy. Um, it's a storage facility. And this is basically just the moisture that the plant needs to keep it alive. Can you stop? Well, I'll tell you what. 
Aideen is quite ill, so let's gift it to Aideen. Yay! So but now, here's it. my question about aloe. Yes, it has all those properties, but if you have a plant, you're not going to snap off bits of you your plant. You can do just... Oh, f- the place is falling bits. Oh, I just got pricked by the cactus. And the orchid is, oh, oh, God, it's all coming there. I just pulled off that leaf yeah. kind of at the base yeah. and used it. And yeah, but he drove. didn't do that. He made, it was like a scene from Alien. I made a the, mulligan's mother. Of and you were ready there, to yeah. smear it all over me. Well, yeah, I was trying. I was a bit particularly careful. Oh. But you can easily pull off that leaf. You see down as low as you can. Just cut it. Yeah. And it will regrow. Will it grow back? Yeah, oh, it will. do this with yeah. a knife. If you give it the conditions that it... If you did that with a knife and not by butchering it, it would be quite neat and you wouldn't notice that and the new one would grow and it's just how it grows. It's like a rosette. Continually grows from the middle. That's how these grow. But how long would it take for it? Well, it's an easy-growing desert native. It's kind of always doing it. It it really does. You can abuse it. It loves to be... What it really needs is sunshine. Lots of sunshine and as much heat as you can give it. It can go outdoors during the summer, as all these plants can, uh, when it's really mild. It doesn't smell so sweet. It's like a scene... Sorry, Paul has just destroyed another little bit. (laughs) But it is like a scene... The gunk from Alien. Do you remember Sigourney Weaver? The goop, yeah, yeah. That's exactly what it is. It's horrible stuff. Uh, It's not horrible stuff. It's really good for you. It's great for your skin. And yeah, your it hair. has so many different. It's in so many different products. If you Paul and myself went to a supermarket once, yeah. and I, for our Instagram thing, I was going to show the qualities of aloe vera, and we brought everything with aloe vera in it, and came to about seventy euros. Never use it. We never broadcast. No, but we had a bag full of products. You know, from uh, sun aloe vera. to after suns, tanning lotions, everything. Aloe vera is in so many different products that you buy. You know, even ones to wash everything. All these beauty products all have a bit of aloe vera because it's so good. So, really water about once every two weeks. Put it in a sunny position. Now, now, to say water once every two weeks is a very dangerous thing to say in my book. And the reason it's a dangerous thing to say... I haven't read your book. This is about... You will soon. Um, But the reason it's a terrible thing to say to someone, water your plant every two weeks, is I don't know what kind of house you have. Is yours an old stone house that's really cold and damp and you don't have the heating on because you're a misery guts? Is it a brand new house that you don't need to have the heating on because it's passive and you put on the heating for two days and you all bake alive? It all depends on, number one, where you have the plant in the house and that should be suitable. You know, if it's a plant that doesn't like a lot of light, don't put it in a really bright spot because straight away it will dry out quickly and the plant will just suffer from too much light. You really have to think about where what your house is like, how quickly your house dries out and it's all about you kind of have to live with it there for a while and begin to understand that this plant every two weeks dries out a bit so I need to give it a little bit of water. So it's very much, yeah, every two weeks as a general guide but you always have to feel the weight of the pot. It's always a good idea. When you buy a plant, usually you'll buy the plant with the amount of water it will need forevermore um, and just keep feeling the weight of the plant. The weight is always a good indicator because water is quite heavy and a dry plant will always be very, very light particularly as all these composts are always generally very, very light once they have been dried out. So... Yeah, it all depends what type of house you have. So to say that something needs watering once a week is a dangerous game to play. So I would always err on the side of caution and live with it for a while. And this is a terrible thing to say because it doesn't give you, as a novice, any real... This is all high in the sky and smoke and mirrors, isn't it? You know, oh, leave it and see what it feels like. But that is really how you have to do it. And Are there any other signs? like To grow a plant, you have to kill a plant too. Yeah. That's a bit of that. You you know, by the time you... By the time the novice notices that the plant is drying out, it's probably getting too late. So yeah. what are the what are the subtle signs? Okay, can I give you the yeah. things that you really have to a few pointers towards keeping plants healthy. If you can water, if you can use rainwater, plants love it. Now, 
not everybody will be able to do that, will be able to easily collect rainwater. But if you have a garden and you have a water butt, use the rainwater for misting and for That's feeding. That's true for every type of plant, not just houseplants, by the way. Yeah, but we're talking houseplants. I know, but I'm just generally saying if you can collect rainwater. I've just let you talk for 10 minutes. You didn't. So watering your plants is the hardest thing to get right. Most issues with plants turns out to be a water problem. When your plants need water, it will show physically. So often the leaves will droop. And we sell these things called alocasia. What, elephant's ears, is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're massive, massive leaves. Yeah, well, but really huge ones of these. When you see leaves drooping, that's a good sign. And plants don't mind being under stress a little bit and letting you know that they're a little bit uh, thirsty. So develop a routine. So a drooping leaf can mean that it's having too much water too. Ah. Sometimes, but that's easy because if a leaf, if a plant is drooping and it's heavy, then you know you've overwatered it. Other way around, then it's underwatered. Leaf curling or wrinkling, especially in cacti and succulents. When you overwater, however, you mightn't know until it's too late. So err on the side of caution and if you can use rainwater. The other thing about these plants, people go into these garden centres or garden shops or whatever and they see all these plants and it makes you think think tropical. It makes you think of your holidays and it makes you think that all these plants like as much sunshine as possible. That is a disaster. Some of them will. So we've talked about the aloe, which will really like uh, an awful lot of sun. And also the cactus that you, that you see there in your little jungle alien. That likes an awful lot of sun. And other succulent type plants like an awful lot of sun. But most of these plants, where they grow naturally, will grow under the canopy of trees. So you want to keep most of them at least a metre away from a window from the direct sunlight and if you're putting them out for the summer which we do recommend that most houseplants will be thrilled to be out introduce them gradually and have them in shaded places before you put them in on the terrace or uh, in, in, in the garden in general because too much sunlight really is detrimental uh, to them and why, why would you put them out in, in summer? Because they love the atmosphere, they love the air, they love the humidity, they love being around other plants. They're much easier to look after also if they're outside. Watering doesn't become a a problem because water just drains away. So you water them regularly as you're watering your pots and containers. It's better though to not move them all outside for the whole summer and move a few plants outside, you know, rotate it. Every couple of weeks move out another batch of plants. Let them get washed by the rain. Don't put it in a sunny spot. Again, if it's a really sunny garden you have, it's a bad idea to bring out your houseplants because they're adapting from the kind of relative dark of a house. Even the brightest of houses will not be as bright as an outside space. So you just have to be a little bit careful when you're you doing do, it. You do have to be a little bit careful. Now, the other thing, not all plants like the same type of soil. So not all of us like the same sort of food, but soil is so important for plants because it's their growing medium. It anchors them and it produces uh, food for them. All plants can't live in the same type of soil. The cacti is going to want something that's very free-draining. The aloe is going to want something that's very free-draining, while a fern might want something that's much more moisture-retentive. The orchid, which I've got one here. I have one of those. It's a plastic one from Ikea. Uh, Yeah, I was going to say you... You will get these real ones in places like that furniture store you just mentioned or supermarkets. These are amazing plants and they're epiphytes. Do you know what an epiphyte is? I do not. Do you know and notice that, well, not this particular one, but they normally come in clear plastic pots. So you can see the roots. 
And that is because... And that actually is in a clear plastic cut. It's just it's got a cardboard it. cover. Yeah. It's, this one's an annoying one. Anyway. Yeah. Um, they normally come in a clear plastic pot because they're epiphytes and their roots need light because they need to photosynthesize because they normally grow on trees and they don't normally grow in a pot and these need a bark to grow in. If you put So these they're in not soil, planted in soil. They will it's not grow. bark. Um, and often they will hang from trees so they'll attach themselves to the stems of trees and just hang down. And a traditional way of growing them is in wooden baskets filled with bark chippings and moss and wrapped very tightly but kept very, very moist. So these plants are perfect. They want uh, a steamy situation, bathrooms or kitchens. And they're so easy to look after and so easy to bring back into flower a second time. Are they? Because I thought they had a reputation for being very delicate and very easy to Well, hear. yours is flipping plastic, so how would you know? <laughs> now, to be fair, I have it in the downstairs toilet, which is an internal room with no windows, so that's... That's about the only time you're allowed to have a plant that's plastic, because people... And actually, it's a common question when you're talking about houseplants. What type of plant can I put in a place that doesn't get any natural light like that, an internal bathroom? The answer is none. There is no plant in existence that will do... that cast iron plant that we spoke about earlier you could keep it in there for maybe three or four days but you have to bring it out to give it some natural light no plant will grow without zero natural light apart from fungi and things like that so unfortunately if you have a room with no light you will have to get something plastic sorry with these orchids with those supermarkets so many different types of orchids but the supermarket orchids are very easy to look after but they have a low tolerance for drought so if you don't water them they won't survive and watering them is best done via a spray can because they grow on trees and they don't really have water uptake from the roots because their roots are wrapped around the trees. So a spray can in a bottle and go around the, um, the bathroom. I used to have them in the bathroom where I lived, a few different types of orchids. And every time I brushed my teeth, I just got the spray and I went, doom, doom, two or three sprays. And that meant as I was brushing my teeth, I watered the plants in happy days. And during the growing season, that means watering the plants weekly or whenever the exposed roots turn silvery white did you know that yeah yeah uh, this one doesn't have a great root system but they do they have this yeah well it is peeping up there Uh, well yeah some of those roots have died off don't they when is the growing season the growing season is not the flowering season okay Uh, well our growing season is anytime from about march through to october Uh, when the light levels really when the daylight levels are you know those when it gets longer in the evening. Uh, during the flowering season, you just water them once every couple of weeks, not too much. And water should never, with these, should never, well, actually, with most plants, should never be allowed rest around the base or the stem. It needs to drain away. So that's another mistake that people make. They put, it, they put some of these plants in pots with no drainage holes. And mm-hmm. sometimes they make, they decide, right, there's no drainage holes, so I'm going to put a bit of gravel in there water goes through that gravel and it just rests there and becomes stagnant and really will destroy a plant in next to no time. You can, if you're really good at knowing how much water it needs and quite exact, water a plant that doesn't have a hole in the bottom of the pot. But you really have to be careful because one wrong move and you've overwatered. When you go online, and online is a brilliant resource for all these houseplants, so put the name of the plant in and go to a good site. There's a very good site called The Spruce, which will give you good information about any plant that you come across or you purchase any of these indoor plants. There's a big topic online about watering um, orchids with ice cubes, cubes of ice cubes. People say that's the perfect amount of water you should give it when, um, when it needs it. Uh, but it's a kind of old wives' tale. 
doesn't work and not a good idea to shock your plants with um, that first of all amount of water and freezing water like that is it as too it much water do you think? well it's, it's not so much that it's too, too much but that it's too cold but what plant pot to use as in what's the best way to display your plant and make sure it's draining properly the best way to have a pot display is to actually have a sleeve pot so the plant the pot that your plant is growing in will most times be plastic when you buy it in a supermarket except you if you buy a lovely terracotta pot although I did notice the, the plant that you so that's a terracotta pot and this is perfect it's stylish it's contemporary and actually it feels a bit Arizonian do you know what I mean baked in the sun this is how. Oh, you're 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 mad! You're oh, bloody you're mad! It. You're mad! Well, no, you see, there is a plastic pot, oh, but in the terracotta it. pot. Oh, that ruins it all. And that's why you can keep. But otherwise, there's no hole in the bottom of the other pot. Yeah. Oh, right. So this is the point. You have to put a pot within a pot. Okay. You put the pot with the drainage holes in Let the pot. Let me just tell you what Paul holes. did there. He got some of that toweling stuff. And this can be a very good idea if you're dealing with cacti with with spikes, whether they be subtle or very huge spikes like this one. He covered the barrel of the cacti, the spines, with this toweling stuff. But I was convinced they were going to go through. And Paul they did a bit. Well, they did a bit, and you did this on the, the thing the other night. He, he was wearing some jumper and really yeah. small, small, hundreds of them into his skin through the jumper. Sellotape. Anyway. So when you prune roses, you have to get good at What I wanted to say there was, I think, for cacti and succulents, terracotta pots, not in a plastic pot, are really good because they draw some moisture away from the base of the of of the plant, and I prefer for that type of plant for them to be in a uh, plant that can work with osmosis like that. Yeah, and otherwise get a nice pot, whatever you know, style your whole house, your whatever uh, displays in, and make sure when you're watering the plant that you take it out of the display pot. You give it a good watering, you put it on the draining board or you put it somewhere that the water can drain away from it and then you put it back into the pot a few minutes later when it's finished with all that really heavy excess water. And that way, if you water it in the pot, yes, you'll water it, but all the excess water will go into the pot with no drainage and you'll have it sitting in water and you will give it a slow, horrible, horrible death. So okay, so... Take it out. Take it out, put it in the sink and water it. And Otherwise, it use a sleeve, like a pot inside a pot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you, I would do that. Yeah, the danger of that, though, well, and we've just seen this with the, this uh, cactus, the danger of that is that water can sit in the lower pot and your main plant can be slowly. So I would take it all out and until the water has drained away, don't put it in back in the cover pot because you don't want any plant well very few umbrella grass may be uh, an exception and a a couple more but you don't want any plants sitting in water no absolutely not okay brilliant so have we made that more complicated than it needs to be no 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 I I, my take home is put it in the sink I mean, if you have a lot of pot, if you have a lot of plants, do you just rotate the daisy? Of yeah, water? it becomes a bit of a task. If you have twenty of these, you just have to go pick five that you do on a rota, and you do the five of them, and you feel them. As I said, lift them up and have a feel of them, and you'll feel the weight, and you're like, eh, that doesn't need it today, and just go around these few need it today. I'll put them in the sink. I'll take out five. I'll drain them, and I'll put them back in. It's a bit of a task, but it's far better than just chucking on a bit of water willy-nilly and then coming back in a few weeks and saying, oh, my plant's dead because. And remember, if you have something alive, if you have twenty plants, 
grow as many of them as possible together in groupings because I absolutely love that. The interiors, like the interior of this studio is regulated, temperature and light and whatever. And that's the way we insulate our houses very well, far too well these days and definitely far too well for houseplants. So there will be very little humidity in the air. Miss them at least once a week. So get, again, the rainwater or whatever, but tepid water, something that's at room temperature and just one of those spray misting creates that uh, atmosphere, that humid atmosphere that the plant might be used to in the jungle situation. And it also clears off the dust. If it clears away the dust that uh, that will naturally fall on the leaves and the stem and the flower, you will help that plant to photosynthesize much better, produce energy. There's an easy one. That's an air plant, Paul is showing me, and it's grown in a little hideous glass globe. Um, What's unique about these? That they don't grow in soil and that they take all their moisture from the air. But now you, you'll see these, so they're known as air plants. Again, go online, you'll, you'll see them. They're like little, cact- uh, how would you describe them? Rosettes. Yeah, they're not really succulent. They're not really cacti. They're kind of, I suppose, cross-hybrid in between. Really architectural. But they do need a bit of care once a week, once every two weeks, take them and and uh, dunk, dunk them, them in the sink. Uh, if you can, again, use rainwater, uh, much, much better, but dunk them in the, the sink. You'll find that people use wires and hot glue and they attach them to all sorts of ceramic or bits of wood to create ornaments or display them in certain ways. They look great in the shops when you buy them, but they're a little bit harder than that to keep. And they become a bit boring and dusty after a while, do they? Only if you don't look after them and you kind of... Would you grow them? Ever. No. I wouldn't uh, grow them Spanish either. moss, which is uh, one, is probably the coolest one that you can get. And it tends to get long and like a moss, basically. But and falls, drapes from trees. In yeah, it can be quite cool. Where, it's, where, where it grows but well. That particular one is, uh, uh, I think, a Tillandsia. Yeah, like that, it's guess. mad. It's just like a little plant with no soil. You can just pick it up, put it. I just just stick it on your bed. Dress your bed. Stick that on the bed. You know, where else could you put it? It's a bit like the Father uh, Jack. You know the brick. Yeah. <laughs> because it's a great plant because you don't have to feed it or water it or look after it, and it just. But of course you do. But you kind of do, but it is one that you have. You can forget about it a lot more than any other plant. Yeah, they're good little gifts to to give, and they're certainly entry level plants to get people interested in the whole I think world. A of cactus is the best entry level plant because everyone as a kid at some point probably had a cactus. That well, I did. Cacti actually freak me out. To be honest with you, okay. have you heard of tribophobia? No. Oh, I should have looked up the definition, but it's essentially, uh, you know, a fear of these repetitive patterns. You know, I think it probably goes oh, back to when we were cavemen yes. and we had to be aware of like poisonous Ooh. berries or so like my sister has it really badly. She can't look at honeycomb. It just wigs yeah, her out. Yeah, yeah, I've seen But that. cacti do that to me. They give me this kind of primeval scared feeling, this kind of like, oh, it's going to eat me. It's going to eat me. This could be very useful information. <laughs> From when? <laughs> For terrifying me. Because I just opened up my door one day and there's a big five foot tall cactus looking at me. <laughs> Landscape the front garden in a Texan <laughs> desert scene. <laughs> but yeah, most people do think they're great and I suppose they are a good entry level because you can't kill them or you would have to try very hard to kill them, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, uh, this is the thing. You kill a cactus with kindness because a cactus is quite easy to overwater. It's nearly impossible to underwater. Well, you can kill it with unkindness too by putting it in a place that doesn't like to grow, like the front windscreen of a, behind the front windscreen of a car. Uh, I'm getting better at gardening. My gardener, who I've employed now on an ad hoc basis, is beginning to get the knack. And I think I have managed to figure out how to keep my cactus garden alive. I'm quite excited about this Aspidistra uh, that's in f- front of us because <laughs> it's producing new leaves as we speak. You see these shoots coming out and that is the joy of gardening. They just slowly unfurl from that funnel. Yeah, we've had such a hot, warm, balmy summer and they've been in a shady shop so they are loving it. They're the loving it, yeah. Um, see this leaf here? Yeah. Well, I will demonstrate the crispiness of it in front of the microphone because obviously our listeners can't see it but it's kind of brown and it's shriveled is that can you take that off do you leave it there I'd Will leave it, it. I'd leave it because it is photosynthesizing it is producing energy for, for the plant until it gets bad I would leave it Dermot's made a good point every leaf that exists on a plant is doing a job and the more you take away from it especially to tidy it up the more you take away the food and the energy that the plant needs to photosynthesize and we'll talk about the science about behind this someday because it's all a bit boring but we'll try to make it a little bit interesting but photosynthesis is the basis of how every plant takes energy from the sun and makes it into food that they can grow and the more leaf the more photosynthesis the better and healthier the plant. There's something else also remember all the plants that you see in garden centres or in the shops like ours have just come from nursery conditions they've been grown to you know by scientists uh, who understand exactly what they need to produce yields that yield might be size in terms of height people want it for offices or or displays it might be for flower it might be nice and kind of a broad uh, uh, effect you take them you put them in a truck you drive them from wherever to Amsterdam where the auction is then they get shipped to whatever part of Europe they're going then they go into a shop and then somebody after a couple of weeks uh, buys them so they will deteriorate in that uh, period of time that's what you're seeing there a little bit and they will get used they'll take a while to get used to your place to the conditions that you give it to the regime on which you impose upon that plant and they'll become more normal. So you will get a little bit of burning, you will get a a little bit, you'll get some plants that just won't like it, that won't thrive, that won't uh, be happy. What are you getting at? You've you've just said about about the regime that you will oppose upon the plant. That's I mean, what you do. It sounds like you're like a little dictator going around your house with your plants. You're a gardener. Telling, you you are. must stay there. You must grow. You mu- you. Is that what gardening is? It's yeah. Like a form of dictatorship. Yeah, of course it is. Yeah, yeah. It is control. It's man controlling man, men and women controlling nature. And the other thing I want to say on that is you might look at all these Instagram accounts and some of them have hundreds of thousands of followers. But people have cottoned on to the idea that stuffing plants in a room, in a place, will make them appear to be great gardeners, uh, copying and pasting information about that plant. A lot of those plants are straight from the garden shop, the nursery or whatever. Look at them in five years' time and you might see a different story. So don't be worried about, you know, we can't all be like Paul, perfect specimens. Some of us have bellies and, you know, thinning. Oh, no, he has thinning here. (laughs) <laughs> I don't Okay so Aspiwata Aspidistra Aspidistra Yeah 
and the aloe and the orchid and the spider plant and there are two more three more here entry level type plants that we can recommend this is an entry level this is what you want if you want to think houseplants are impossible you buy this one because Alocasia Alocasia Yucatan Princess yeah um, it's not that it's an impossible plant that fits doesn't it Adrian that's just you all over Um, it's just a little bit harder to grow the princess part yeah not the Yucatan no denial there um we brought in the aglonemas as well because people often ask about air purifying plants and these are sold as air purifying plants but I think the basis of this is every plant will purify the air a bit but none will really do it significantly better than the other and there's no real reason look out for them plants will make you feel better they will make your place look better but I always stop reading when I start hearing about air purifying qualities. And I know NASA have done some work, but I think in general that idea has been in the main for significant effect discredited. It's a marginal, marginal benefit. But as you say, all the other benefits uh, are a great reason to grow it. And that's a really tough entry level plant, as is behind it. Chefflera arbicola. Uh, we've talked about I found these grown in Vietnam hardy ones so it's an umbrella plant it actually takes a few years for you to really see that because the stem will clear and all the foliage will go on the top um, as it matures they're little trees so they will grow big even the spread of each leaf the way an umbrella is made all spreading out all the spikes spreading out all the spokes spreading out you're not buying it it does have kind of um, fingers like the horse chestnut tree like has palmate palmate. is the technical term for that which palm so yeah what are you laughing at (laughs) Equating it with a horse chest is, <laughs> is interesting. I'm going back to my third class. No, it's botany. exactly what it is. It's the same shape leaf as a horse chestnut. I'm not disagreeing with it. I said it was interesting. Well, no, it's nothing like a horse chestnut. <laughs> That's what I said. But oh, it's one of the most common house plants that there is. The umbrella plant. I like the princess. She's but she's like, like any elegant. princess. She's going to need a little bit more work than all the others. Oh, so you she's have not quite picked, entry level, is no, she? No, it's kind of like next level up. Most of these are entry level, but with the princess, you would have to kind of understand how the others work. Same with every princess. Yeah, they just need a little bit more, but not a huge amount. Yeah. You can do it. Dirt, a Go Loud original. Dermot, we've just given Aideen an aloe vera. And I think we should put bets as to how long it will last. What do you reckon? I think Aideen is about to change careers and become a gardener. So I think there's a good chance of this being the first plant in her new botanic gardens. And I think it's going to last years. Okay. And I bet you 100 euro that it will still be alive this time next week. I lost £20 last week with a bet with him. So I have to be careful. All I'd say is once a week, give it a look. Okay. Check the weight of it. Hold on, hold on. Back to the Put bed. Put it in a nice sunny place. Oh yeah, Back how much are you bed. betting? And on, on how long? How much am I betting? And how long do you think I'll keep it alive? A tenor says it'll be dead in a week. <laughs> <laughs> Can an aloe vera die in a week? No, no. but you can't <laughs> Well, on what basis that you, do you say that? Because I don't think she's killed anything yet. Aideen, how's What the, about your tree? Oh, tree? I think the tree is still going. I think is not a very good way to start we any sentence. We need a picture of the tree with a copy of the Irish Times. Today is Irish Times beside it. <laughs> Dirt, a Go Loud original. Go Loud! 
we hope you enjoyed that and maybe learned a little bit about houseplants. It was good, and I've just seen some houseplants planted out in a bedding display in Stephen's Green. Yeah, we're back over here by the fountain underneath the trees with the birds singing. It's quite nice. Yes, a, a lovely, really lovely light summer's morning. Next week on Dirt with Dermot and Paul. We're going a bit wild. Uh, we're talking about wildflowers, meadows, and all of the good things that that brings. And I get to drive a tractor on his farm. See you next week, and don't forget that Dirt is Go Loud original podcast, and we drop every Monday. Mind you, it wasn't your farm, was it, in the end? No, but that's only a technicality. Dirt, a Go Loud original. Go loud!